hard time sometimes every week. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, it's so great to be back up in front of you all. So you may have noticed this little easel over here with a pad on it. I wish I was super artistic so I could draw something for you, but my artistic skills are that of a first grader, so I will not be doing that. But uh, what I want to say to you as we start off tonight is I want to use that image that you can't really see right now because it's intentionally not facing you. How mysterious. What's going to happen? Uh, this blank sheet of paper. That's where we're at right now as we start off this year. We have this blank sheet of paper, which is the future for this year that lies in front of us. And we have the opportunity to create something with the way that we live our lives. The question is, what are you going to put on your page? That's the question I want to pose to you right now. Um, do you just want to kind of drift through this year and get to the end and say, yeah, that happened? Or do you want to live with intention and create something beautiful, something significant, something meaningful with the way you live your life? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. With this new year comes a new opportunity to create something special. And so I have to get it out there right up front. If you've been here at ECC or Connection ever before, um, you know that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a big deal to us. And extending the grace and truth that is in Christ Jesus is at the center of who we are as a people. We want to be about that in this college town. And as we send you out of here um, over the summer, over breaks, back home, and when you graduate, people of grace and truth in Jesus Christ. And so we're a church that's on a mission, and you guys are a huge part of that. Over on this campus, you have such a special opportunity to connect with your peers and extend the grace and truth that is in Christ. And so um, I want to talk to you tonight about what it looks like for you to live on mission. And uh, as we do that, I want to consider how we might orient our hearts, what needs to happen in our hearts, and also how we might order our lives, what needs to happen in our schedules at the beginning of this year as we start off so that we can get to the end of it and we'll take a look at what started off as this blank page and we'll see something really special that we've created as we've walked with God in faith. And so I want us to get to the end. I want us to look back and see days, weeks, months, and a year that reflects that we've lived after what's most important, um, that we've lived in light of the truth, that there's a surpassing worth and knowing Christ Jesus. That's uh, the words of the Apostle Paul. And so with that in mind, I want to focus our attention tonight on a passage from 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And this is the church that he planted and oversaw, and he's writing this letter now to them after he's moved on to plant another church. And if you know anything about this letter, it's, it's a little bit tense, because the church in Corinth, uh, they kind of had it coming. They needed some real correction because there were major misunderstandings in this church about what it meant to live out an authentic faith in Christ. And so the section that I'm going to read belongs to a part of the letter where Paul is writing to them about the nature of his own faith and Christian ministry so that they might learn a little bit more what it looks like for them to live out their own lives in Christian ministry. And so Paul tells them that his calling as a minister of the good news, it led him to many difficult tasks and circumstances. It was not easy. It brought him criticism from people within the church, his own teammates. Uh, it brought him criticism from people outside of the church. But he knew what God had done in his life. He had a powerful story of God at work in his life. And he knew what God had called him to do. And so that is what drove him to carry on when things were very difficult. 
Paul was all in in his ministry. He was all in, and he wanted the Corinthians to approach their own lives in the same way. Uh, so we're going to dig into this passage here in just a second, but I have something kind of fun that I've been really looking forward to. So I have a buddy named Chris. Chris, where are you at? Here we go. Here's Chris. Chris and I met in an adult community group here at the church, which is pretty much our Sunday school for adults. And uh, I was listening to Bob preach and sitting beside Chris. And as Bob preached, Chris was drawing notes. And what he does is he draws pictures of what he's hearing, what he's hearing as his sermon notes, and takes little notes alongside of it. And I was like, dang, that looks really cool. Um, and so I said, hey, Chris, what do you say we start you off with a blank page? And you can create whatever it is you so choose to do as you hear God's word preached. And uh, maybe when we get to the end of it, we'll have him turn that easel around and see what came together. Huh? Man, your battleship. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so here we go. I need to give a quick preface. I'm a runner. That's why I have no muscles. Um, and I'm also paranoid that I talk about running too much when I preach. Uh, for that reason, the last time that I preached on this passage that I'm going to speak on tonight was seven years ago, and I've avoided it since then because it deals with running. Um, but it fits so well with what we're talking about tonight, I couldn't pass it by, so y'all are going to have to deal with it. Um, so the passage we're in is 1 Corinthians, and this is chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And so Paul's illustration that he's using here about the Christian life and his own ministry being like an athletic competition is one that really would have hit home with the Corinthians. So the city, the city of Corinth was on an isthmus. Now, who, who knows what an isthmus is? Somebody's got it. Do you know what it is? Well, you're on the spot now. I'll let you off the hook. That's fair. So an isthmus is a land bridge. It's a land bridge connecting two larger pieces of land. And so Corinth was on this isthmus, such a hard word to say, connecting northern Greece and southern Greece. And I know that you guys all know a lot about ancient Greece, so you all know that the Super Bowl was the largest sporting event back in ancient Greece. Um, it was actually the Olympic Games. You may have heard of those ones before. Uh, but second to the Olympic Games was actually the Isthmian Games, which took place outside the city of Corinth every two years. And so when Paul starts talking about athletic competition as a way of understanding the Christian life and ministry, he's speaking their language. That verse, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize? So the Greek word he uses that is translated race into English is stadion. And stadion was a Greek unit of measure that was about 200 feet, which is about 200 meters. And uh, if there are any tracksters in here, you know that 200 meters is a half a lap of a track. Uh, that's the race that Usain Bolt is really good at. And so what Paul is saying to them is, imagine it. 
you're on the starting line of the 200 meter dash of the games, who's going to be the champion? Not the person who just drifts through with the goal only to finish. That's a real accomplishment when you're running a marathon. But if it's only 200 meters, you've got to go for it. Just finishing isn't as much of a big deal when you're only running a half a lap. You've got to go for it. Who's going to be the champion? It's not going to be the person who zones out or just drifts through it trying to avoid the pain. It's going to be that person who focuses, that person who runs to win, run in such a way as to obtain the prize. I love that. One of my... Uh, all-time favorite YouTube videos is, so let me set the stage. At the 1988 Olympics, there is an Australian man whose name was Duncan Armstrong, and he was competing in the 200-meter freestyle race. And he made it all the way to the final round, but in this race, he was stacked up against the current world record holder, but not just him, he was stacked up against the two previous world record holders. And so, the final of the Olympics, the race goes off. And this race takes a little bit less than a minute and 50 seconds. And by halfway through, Duncan Armstrong is just having the race of his life. It looked like he had a chance to win a medal, which really would have been a huge upset, considering he's competing against three world record holders. Um, but as he came out of the last turn to swim the final length of the pool, it honestly looked like this guy was just shot out of a cannon. As everybody else was slowing down, Duncan Armstrong is picking it up. He sped up, and when he gets to the end of the race, he reaches out, he touches his arm, and not only does he break the former world record, but he wins the Olympics and breaks the world record himself. And it was just a huge deal. And so the clip I'm going to show you is right after he wins this race. It's a TV news anchor from Australia who catches his coach in the stands. Listen to his coach's name. It's Lawrence Lawrence. Um, his parents were not creative. Um, the guy's nickname was Lori, uh, funny enough, Lori Lawrence. Uh, and this video is his reaction after the race. I'm going to step over here because I forgot to turn up the sound. But my favorite part about this is not just the coach's reaction that his athlete has just won the medal, but once he finally gets himself together enough to give some comments to the reporter, the words that he says about the way his athlete approached that race get me so fired up that I watch this at least once a month. Um, I realize it's a lot more than that, and you can ask my wife. And this is going to work. And, uh... Guys, it's going to work eventually, don't worry. Yeah, you think I, how do you think I, 
inside, inside I reckon you knew he was going to do that. Did you think he... No, thanks. Laurie, inside, did you think you could do it? What do you think we're coming here for? Silver? Stuff the silver, we come for the gold. What do you think we're coming for? Guys, that's what Paul's saying here. Stuff the silver, we come for the gold. Run the, way, run the race in such a way as to win the prize. That's what Paul is talking about. Stuff the silver, we come for the gold. I get so fired up when I watch that. <laughs> That's what Paul is talking about in our passage. He's saying, run in such a way as to get the prize, the crown that will last forever. The prize is on the line, a heavenly reward for winning the Christian race. And way better than a crown of parsley or pine or wild celery that the Isthmian Games winners won. That's actually what their crowns were made out of. He's talking about this crown that lasts forever. And the beautiful thing is in the Christian race, Everyone who runs it by trusting in faith in Christ and lives that life that reflects who we truly are, a life of obedience, faith, a life pursuing Christ and sharing the good news with the world through our words and through our actions, that's what we're aiming for. That's what we're trying to accomplish here. But Paul says, if you want to end up with that heavenly reward, as we continue on in this passage, if you want to end up with the crown that lasts forever, it doesn't just take being inspired. What Paul says next is it takes discipline. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. That's what he says. He's talking about diligent preparation. And so before I came to Bloomington, I was a college track coach down in Tennessee. I coached at two different colleges. And I had one athlete who would come to me before the season and he would say to me, Josiah, I want to be an All-American this year. I am ready to go. And I would be so excited because this guy had real talent and he had big goals. And so I would say, see you later, he'd go home for the summer and train, and then he would come back to school, and here I am, ready to coach him to these goals, but he'd been sitting on his couch, sipping lemonade and watching movies all summer, while his rivals were out there running twice a day in the heat. And he didn't even come close to being an All-American, not at prayer, because he didn't prepare for it, he didn't work for it. And what Paul is saying here is we can't just be inspired to run the life of faith and ministry. We have to discipline ourselves. Discipline is at the center of what it takes to obtain that prize. We've got to prepare for it. We've got to be disciplined. And we've got to be preparing with the right intention, with the right mindset Paul talks about here. When he says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And so Paul is saying, I prepared, but I didn't leave my best race in practice. I didn't wipe myself out throwing wild punches into the air. Paul made his efforts count. It was all towards accomplishing a purpose. And so what he's telling us is that if we want to finish with the end result we desire in our lives of faith, if we want to have ministries as people, as the church that really make an impact, we've got to prepare ourselves diligently for that while maintaining the right mindset. And so uh, that's kind of nebulous. Let's put some meat on it here. What Paul is talking about is living lives of gospel purpose. Gospel purpose. He's saying that we are able to go all out for Christ because Christ went all out for us. That's at the center of what it means for us. 
to live our lives on mission as the followers of Jesus Christ. We can only do that because Christ went all out for us on the cross. And Paul writes about this in another one of his letters. He puts it so well in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Christ Jesus, who was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to death, death on a cross. And that's what God did for us, to be made right with him. That's at the center of who we are as a people. That's who we are in our identity, our deepest sense of who we are. And so, maybe you're here, and this is, this is news to you. This is something that's new to you. And you've never made that personal commitment to step out in faith and trust Christ. You've never said, Jesus, I, I need you to come into my life. I have sin that has kept me from you, and I want this to be a time where I can admit that and come to you with my own need and have my need taken away and be given your righteousness. If this is a moment for you where you're feeling that, I would love to chat with you after this service. I know Quinn or another one of our band members, any of our ministry team members, would love to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. But maybe you're here, and you've been a follower of Christ for a while. I want you to hear the truth, that you can never forget that our ministry, all of your ministry this year, is about responding in thankfulness to what God has done for you in Christ. We go all out for Christ because he's gone all out for us. We don't minister to gain God's favor through our performance. We don't do it to gain the approval of any man, not even a really good man. We do it out of response to what God has done for us. We seek to know Christ more deeply, to follow him and participate in his mission by reaching out with words of grace and words of truth, with acts of love and justice and compassion. And so what I want you to hear is that Christian ministry, don't think of this as something you can just plug into your schedule because ministry is life for the follower of Christ. All of our lives is Christian ministry. And so I wanna conclude our sermon here with a few questions for you as we start uh, this year together. And so the first question is this, how do you need to orient your heart and order your life this year so that you will get to the end of it and be able to say, I ran the race in such a way as to obtain the prize? Think about that. Next, is there anything in your heart that you need to trust to Christ right now in order for you to run the race to win? And finally, is there anything you need to create space for in your schedule in order to prepare for that to happen? Think about those questions. And what these questions are really intended to get at is the ultimate question of how are you going to discipline yourself to live that life of gospel purpose? And uh, tonight, I'm going to issue you the first of three challenges. Uh, this is our first message of uh, three in this introductory series to our year. And the first one I want to offer you is a challenge that we can all act on uh, this concept we've talked about together tonight. Paul talks about how we need to discipline ourselves to live out our lives of faith and ministry well. And one of the ways I want us to approach this year so we can look at what we've created at the end and see something beautiful as we've walked in faith is the importance of centering ourselves through daily prayer and Bible study that will grow us in our knowledge of God's Word, strengthen our relationship with Him, and allow us to live in such a way that exhibits the truth. 
And so prayer and Bible study are amazing ways to do that. And so my challenge to you is this. Will you join me? I'm doing this too. Will you join me in committing yourself to study the Bible consistently by taking on a Bible reading plan this year? This isn't something I'm making up on the spot. I've been thinking about this and praying about this for a long while, and I am a researcher. When I get an idea, I drive myself crazy trying to find the best option. And I have to give to you all tonight a 90-day reading challenge. What I'm proposing is that if you all do this five days a week, the pace of this is two chapters a day, which will take about five minutes. If you do that five days a week, by the time we conclude this 90-day reading challenge, it'll be Christmas break. And so what this plan entails is we're going to read through the books of Genesis, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then in the spring when you come back, I'm not dropping this. We're doing it all year. And I have a new plan that will conclude us. We'll read the rest of the New Testament. We'll read Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and Psalms. And that will wrap up right after you finish school if you maintain the pace of five days a week, two chapters a day, five minutes. I really believe this will make a massive impact on your life if we do this together. And so I'm going to pass these out right now. If you would take one and pass it to the person next to you, uh, that would be awesome. And so maybe you're thinking, well, this isn't read the whole Bible in a year plan. That's very true, and those plans are great. But in my own experience, I haven't been able to sustain it because you have to read so much to get through the entire Bible in a year. So if you have another plan, or if you are in the process of reading through the Bible in a year, like go get it. That is awesome. Our goal here isn't to just check off the boxes and say, I did a lot of reading. The goal is to grow in relationship and knowledge. And so when we complete this plan, like, we're going to keep this going because what more, what's more valuable to our day-to-day -day walk of faith? And uh, I don't want to just tell you to do this without giving you any more equipment. And so I have a little tool sheet that I put together with you guys from a really helpful method called the REAP method for Bible study. Uh, REAP stands for read, examine, apply, and pray. This is a little half sheet you can tuck into your Bible. And as you go through your Bible study, this will give you some things to think about, some questions to guide your process. So you can take one of those. And uh, if we run out of sheets, I'll print some more while we're eating the best pizza Bloomington has to offer. And Avers. And so uh, that is uh, that is debatable, I understand. <laughs> and so uh, that's, that's all I've got for tonight. A quick sneak preview for last year. As we like to say here at ECC, community is our middle name. Um, and next week we're going to talk a little bit about the nature of Christian community and the role it's meant to play in our lives. Uh, but I also want to dream with you guys a little bit about the role Christian community might play in your life this school year. And so before we conclude with another song of worship, I wonder if, I wonder if Artiste over here has got something to show us. Um, 20 seconds. 20 seconds. And uh, band, why don't you guys come on up here and you can assume your positions. And uh, once you're all up here, maybe we'll have Chris, you can step on up to a microphone. You started off with a blank page, my friend. What have you created? You've created a monster. So with this, 
lives. Of course, the theme is racing and aiming for something. And as we start off the semester, um, I think all of us will be very ambitious in everything that we want to achieve. And um, ultimately, you know, we want to go and pray our best. But know that ultimately this this will vanish, this will tarnish. It's not um, it's not everything uh, and ultimately underneath all of this is what we should really be going for. So Christ is a prize, not whatever that we're trying to achieve this semester. So just remember that. Thank you. 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 Thank you.